0: Welcome to Photoactive, a podcast about photography and technology. I'm Kirk McElwain. And I'm Jeff Carlson. Good morning, Jeff. How are you on this fine day? I am doing well on this fine day. What's going on over there? Oh, I don't know. Lots of things are going on. But something really important is going to happen in about... Four weeks. We were just realizing before we started recording that in two episodes, we will be at episode 100. 100. This is a big moment. This is great. We're, Fantastic. We're trying to decide what to do. Um, my thought was to get Jeff to cut his hair for episode 100. <laughs> um, we, we, we're we not going to take a screenshot and show you, but people, if they go to your Instagram, they'll find photos of you and your hair is quite hippie-ish.
1: Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it's, it's gotten a bit long. Uh, through the COVID, and actually, it was long before then. Uh, yes, I am going to get my hair cut, but it's not going to be—it's not going to be radical in the sense that uh, it's all going away. It's just going to be trimmed to a more manageable length. Hopefully, we'll see.
0: Okay, this is not a hair care podcast. This is actually a oh. podcast episode about camera accoutrements. We decided that we wanted to talk about accessories for cameras, and these are things that you put on your camera. We're not talking about tripods or camera bags or all of those. We decided to look at the things you can put on your camera to either make it easier to use, more comfortable, more flexible, et
1: cetera. And actually, this discussion that we had really went in an interesting direction because we wanted to challenge ourselves, because obviously there are a ton of things you can put on a camera, and Even when you're out shooting, maybe you're out adding filters, for example, which we talked about in a recent episode. Well, we did an episode on filters, so
0: we can't count that.
1: We wanted to challenge ourselves to things that are either on your camera all the time or maybe most of the time to accentuate the stock camera itself. I mean, obviously, you know, there are lenses, but... That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about like little accessories, and it turns out uh, there are more than I realized once we started brainstorming.
0: And the reason I don't think filters apply is filters are accessories for lenses, not for cameras.
1: Oh, you're going to split those hairs. Okay. I mean, yes. Well,
0: no, it's not splitting a hair. It's something that you put on the lens for the lens. Uh, That's true. That's true. What we've chosen for this episode is things that are on the camera for the camera. How
1: about we start with an example? I was going to say, unless you have a camera that has a fixed lens.
0: But in that case, it's still a lens accessory. Okay. Okay, now, okay, Now okay. you're getting... Okay. So <laughs> we, we started with something that I've seen people talk about in forums and on Facebook and all the time, and I've always wondered, why would you want one of these things? It is a... Do they call it a soft shutter button? I'm not sure exactly what the term is. Yeah,
1: it's basically just a little... Shutter button that you add to your shutter button. And (laughs) like you, when I first saw this, I had a giant eye roll because obviously the camera works just fine without adding a button on top of the button. So how to explain how this works. Well,
0: all shutters have a screw thread inside, and they do this because you can connect a, and I don't know the name, a device that looks kind of like a syringe that you can use to activate the shutter. And this can be about a foot long or three feet long. And you'll use this if your camera's on a tripod and you don't want to sit with your eye in front of the viewfinder and you can, you'll have composed and focused and then you press the button and you fire the shutter.
1: Yeah. At one point, this was basically, I think the only way you could do a remote shutter release so that you wouldn't. Move the camera. You know, you want your camera to be really still on the tripod, and I think this was the only way to do it. Nowadays, on most modern cameras, the shutter release will go into a USB port or maybe like a microphone port, and so this little screw thing isn't really necessary. Well, it's not, but it's traditional. Uh, I mean, right. film cameras had
0: these. This is something I remember using. I'm aging myself, but 40 years ago, I had one of these on a the camera. Yeah. So, anyway, we each got one of these, and I don't really see how necessary it is. And I see people in forums saying it's essential. I got my new camera. I got to get the new soft shutter button. It makes the area that you press a bit larger. And so, if you're fumble fingered, maybe it's easier, but I've never had a problem. I don't really notice the difference with the button or without it.
1: Yeah. So, we'll take some pictures of the ones that we got just to just to show what they look like. In my case, I got one that actually sits up quite higher than the shutter that that I'm used to. And so it actually feels a little bit squishy. And I think for some people who find, at least on the the Fuji X-T3 that I have, the shutter button is really pretty minimal. And it's never been a problem, but somebody often wants something that's a bigger target. And also, I think the main appeal, let's just face it, uh it's red. Mine is red. Yours is black. I think you got a black one.
0: Totally. Everything's black on mine. Yeah. That's the only color for cameras. Black.
1: Uh that's wrong, but okay, we'll just move <laughs> past that. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, and you know, mine has like a little texture thing around the side. I mean, it's really It's called kind knurled of edges. Knurled edges. With a k. Ah. And, you know, it it's kind of flashy and I think that's kind of maybe sixty, seventy percent of the point. Um, yeah. some of them have concave surfaces, some of them have rounded surfaces, there are all sorts of things. And the good news is mine was only like eight or nine dollars. So it it's yeah, not mine like was you're gonna, five pounds. Okay, five pounds. So it's not something that's really super crazy. You can try it out and see if it helps. Yep. Yeah.
0: Okay, next I had often seen people talking about putting hand grips on their cameras. And I had never had a camera where I thought this would be necessary. Uh, We both have the X-T3. There is a a sort of, what would you call it? There's a kind of a grip built into the camera, right? There's a bit that sticks out in the front. If you're right-handed, it makes it easier to hold the camera. But when I got the X-E4, it doesn't have that. And. Even though I'm using a wrist strap, we're going to get to straps in a little bit, Mm -hmm. I felt that it would be interesting to try out this um, hand grip. Now, I bought the Fuji hand grip, which costs 79 pounds, which is like 10% of the cost of the camera itself, which is ridiculously expensive. This is being a new camera. There aren't too many third parties that make grips for it yet. Uh, In a year or two, you'll be able to get them, and you can get them for plenty of other cameras. It screws on into the tripod um, thread. But what it does is it puts a new tripod thread, which is balanced in the middle of the lens. The tripod thread on this camera is off-center, and the tripod thread in the grip is centered. So it's it's as if they designed the camera for the grip.
1: Yeah, maybe. I mean, one of the nice appeals of the X-E4 is that it doesn't have a grip. So for some people... Just having that that little sliver, that little wedge of a camera, that's exactly what they want because it's really small. With bigger cameras, you want more of a grip because there's more weight to it. And as we've mentioned before, the ergonomics of holding a camera is so important you want to be comfortable and a, a grip will often do that. I was actually a little bit surprised because I think when you first got the XE4, you were very enamored of how there was no grip and it was just nice and smooth. And now you've totally come around because I think it just gives you just that little bit more purchase.
0: It's not quite that. We're going to get to straps in a minute. But the difference is if I'm using a strap over my shoulder, then it doesn't matter. But since I've opted for the wrist strap most of the time... Um, I have to hold it in my hand, right? If the strap's over the shoulder, it's just kind of hanging on my body. I pick it up and I shoot. But since I'm holding it in my hand more, I like better having that grip um, to hold on to. Yeah. So it's not slippery. Yeah. So that's the difference. If I do use this with a shoulder strap, I'll probably take the grip off because it's extra weight. And I do find that I like the minimal aspect of the camera, but I find it so much more comfortable with a shoulder strap because of the small size.
1: Yeah. And we should point out, even cameras that do have grips, I've seen, again, you know, we're using our X-T3, X-T4s as uh, as examples because that's just what we own. But I've seen you can buy grips for cameras that already have grips. I mean, some people really want a, a more pronounced grip. Maybe they have larger hands, longer fingers. And so, again, making that, that ergonomic connection even more comfortable, you can buy a grip that really extends that out on a camera that already has it.
0: Don't you have that big-ass grip with the battery pack in it?
1: Yes, I think it's technically called the big-ass grip.
0: (laughs) (laughs) With battery pack.
1: Yeah, yeah, so um, I do. I purchased the big-ass grip. (laughs) We'll have a link in the show notes. It probably will not say that, but now I have to write big-ass grip in the show notes. In this case, it doesn't really add anything to the regular grip, but it allows you to have a portrait oriented grip. So uh, a lot of the the main point of it is to add two more batteries, but it's very much designed so that you can shoot in a portrait orientation and there are extra buttons there so you're not reaching your hand over. Um which I don't know that's that's kind of uh, uh on the borderline of our of our qualifications here. If I was shooting portrait orientation all the time, let's say I was a portrait photographer and I really liked this camera, then it might be on my camera all the time. And so I think yeah. that, that kind of slides in here on our, on our characteristics.
0: I would argue that having the extra batteries is important for some people who may be shooting all day and don't have the time to change batteries. So in that case, they're using it more for the battery than for the grip, even if they're not shooting portrait.
1: Definitely. And I think I've mentioned before, if I'm shooting video, I will definitely have that connected because either A, I have more batteries that will power the camera, or it has an AC adapter that lets me easily plug that in and, and just leave it. So if I'm doing you know some, some video work in a studio or something.
0: Okay, so the next thing that I got is now a Fujifilm sells the XC4 in two bundles. One is with the 27 millimeter f2.8 lens, and the other is with the hand grip and a thumb rest. They don't have a bundle with all of them together. The thumb rest, that goes in the hot shoe and sticks out. Um, so I bought one of them, but I didn't buy the Fujifilm, which costs 79 pounds, so the same price as the grip. I bought one for 25 pounds from some Chinese company. I'll put a link in the show notes. What it does is it gives your thumb, it's slightly curled and it gives your thumb something to rest on because it's called a thumb rest um, on the back of the camera. I don't find that very useful for two reasons. One, I really don't need it if I've got the hand grip. Now, I haven't actually tried using this without the hand grip and with the thumb rest. So that's actually something I need to do. But the second thing is it's just not in the right place for my thumb. I would need something to be a little bit longer for it to be where my thumb usually is. So it kind of puts my hand in a position that's, that's unnatural. One thing to point out is that these thumb rests are very tricky because they have to make sure that they don't cover the buttons on the back of the cameras. So you can't always use one from one model to another. Now, this one says that it works on a whole bunch of different Fujifilm models, and I, I haven't tried it on the X-T3. It probably does, Um I'm not going to pay the 79 pounds for the Fuji one just to try it. <laughs> but I believe the Fuji one's a little bit longer, which would put my thumb in a better location. But I, I'm finding this excessive. Now, again, your mileage may vary with this, depending on your camera, the way you shoot, et cetera.
1: Yeah. Now with this, this is something that I've never looked into because I've never really felt the need for it. Um, what material is it? Is it plastic or is it metal? It's, it, I, it feels like it's aluminum. Okay. It's yeah, very but solid. Probably. No, if it
0: was plastic, it would break eventually, Right.
1: Exactly. This is one of those things that is a bit of a risk, I would say, because you can't really grab it and test it out and see how it feels. You just have to order it, see if it works. And well, you could always return, return it to it. Amazon. Yeah. 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 But it's still kind of, a, kind of a hassle.
0: But I do want to try with the thumb rest without the grip. In fact, after we record, I'll
1: try that. There we go. It's going to change the world. It's going to change your world.
0: Well, I don't know if it's going to change the world, but I, I, I do agree that with these options, you can customize a camera to make it more comfortable for the way you work with the camera. and And exactly. I think that's interesting. And I never really paid attention to that before. I've always just used things as they are.
1: Next, I want to bring up something that I've had on my camera for quite a long time that I never thought about is an L bracket. Now, what an L bracket is, It's basically, uh, I know this is going to sound surprising, an L-shaped bracket. And it sits on my camera, and the advantage of having an L-bracket is twofold. One, I can connect it to my tripod. So the bottom of the L-bracket has a Swiss Arca-style indentation, so you can just snap it into Swiss arca plates.
0: Worth pointing out that most tripods have Swiss plates.
1: Most of them do now, yeah. Um, but the the L bracket, the side that comes up the left part of the camera, has the same thing. And what that allows me to do is quickly, if I'm working on a tripod, release the camera, put it into portrait orientation, and lock it down. Now, I'll find a picture that I have of me before I got a an L-bracket. Basically, I had an old Manfrotto tripod that you could semi-disassemble it so that you could shoot in a portrait orientation. I mean, there are things you can do. You can, you know, turn your ball head, etc. But if you're going to do a lot of portrait work, you're going to uh, possibly want the crossbar basically being horizontal instead of vertical well this photo of me i was in the middle of doing this conversion and it absolutely looks like i have no idea what i'm doing and so having an l bracket for me i can just quickly you know loosen the plate move the camera over put the plate back on it's really great if i am shooting panoramas for example because oftentimes with panoramas, you want a whole bunch of uh, vertical, portrait-oriented shots that you can then stitch together. And I just leave mine on all the time. It's not that obtrusive. It's it definitely adds a little bit of weight, but um, and, and actually the one that I have again we'll put things in show notes also has a bunch of uh, little threads so you can attach a few things to it if you wanted to. Um, so yeah, it, I find it really, really useful, much more so than I expected.
0: So while you were talking, I took off my hand grip and I'm holding my XC 4 now with just the thumb rest, and it's actually quite comfortable like that. So as you can see, my little finger is below the X-T4 mm-hmm. and my index finger is on the shutter and my thumb is on the thumb rest. And that gives me more of a grip than not having the thumb rest, not quite as much grip as having just the hand grip. So I think depending on the camera and depending on the size of your hands, one or both of these could actually make it a little bit easier to hold on to. Um, But like the X-T3, it's got a grip and it's heavy, and I wouldn't use it just with a wrist strap anyway. So I I think different cameras call for different uses.
1: Sure. Right? Actually, as as a former film shooter, I'm curious to know if that makes you have that muscle memory instinct to flick it with your thumb to advance the film yeah oh totally do you do that (laughs) no
0: but that's that's kind of probably what the design comes for the film advance lever is more anchored where on our cameras where the exposure compensation is but it does stick out like that and you do you do develop that muscle memory to flick it as quickly as possible and if you see professional photographers you see videos of them with film cameras you see how quickly they can press the shutter and advance the film yeah of course You could buy a motorized battery pack that you would put on the bottom of the camera, which was also a grip, which would automatically advance the film after you took pictures. Right. Next thing is something we both have. Both of our cameras have Peak Design straps, and they have Peak Design anchors, and we're both using the Peak Design wrist strap, which for me, the X-T3 doesn't work. The X-T3 is too heavy to hold it like that, but for the X-T4, it's perfect. If you don't know these Peak Design anchors, they're little round doodads that you put through the little eyelets on the side of the camera, and they fit into these little doodads that hold the little round doodads, (laughs) (laughs) and they sort of snap in, and you can put any of the different Peak Design straps. So I've got two on my XE4, and on the right, I've currently got the wrist strap, and I can pop the wrist strap off and put the normal strap on to put it over my shoulder. Um, we, We looked up before the show, this is a patented Um, System, So you're not going to get any third parties that make something, let's say, exactly like this or compatible. I'm I'm surprised there aren't any Chinese companies that make knockoffs. But I think this is a really clever system. It's not cheap. Uh, The wrist strap, I'm looking at uh, UK price, it's 22 pounds and it comes with two anchors. If I buy four anchors and two of the things the anchors anchor in, um, that's 15 pounds. So it's not cheap, but it's not excessively
1: expensive. So going back half a step, uh, I would say having some sort of a strap is like that still falls into our categories here. Um, Obviously, you know, we we could talk about all sorts of straps and and, we're not going to. we've, We've used various different straps. And actually, there's something similar that I've seen called a QD mount. I think it's more of a standard that's used by various companies. I know that Luma Labs, uh, a company that we've talked about and has sponsored us in the past, they have a QD mount on some of their loop straps. And it's basically a little push connector. You you push a button in the middle and it retracts some little grippy things that then hold on to another connector. So Instead of screwing something in, it pops in, but it's also very tight. So, right. you know, Peak Design doesn't have a monopoly on having different styles of connectors, but they're the only ones that we've seen that have this this sort of modularity with the little tiny anchors that can fit into almost all of their products.
0: Yeah, and it's worth noting that they have an anchor mount that goes in the Um, tripod button if you want to have your strap anchored one end of the strap on the side and one on the tripod button some people like that so your camera kind of hangs down in front of you and just to go back to your L mount I have a Peak Design um, tripod plate permanently attached to my Mm X-T3 because I often want to put it on the tripod and it's so easy to quickly put it on that tripod that it's the tripod I use and it makes more sense to leave the plate on the camera. It doesn't really get in the way too much.
1: Yes, absolutely. In fact, I'm I'm sort of embarrassed that we didn't bring that up uh, at, at the outset because, you know, back in the day, you would have to screw on everything. And, you know, if you buy cheap tripods, then, you know, you set it down and you have to screw it on. Like, no, never do that. You never have to do that. <laughs> Just get a little plate They're not very large. They don't take up very much space. And you can just quickly snap onto a tripod and be done with it. Yeah. You don't need that frustration in your life.
0: So just a word about the Peak Design straps. I don't really like the material. It's kind of like seatbelt material. Um, Mm. The first one I bought was the slide. And at the time, they said it was ideal for mirrorless cameras and it was not the biggest one. They had a bigger one for big ass DSLRs. And this thing is huge. It's really, it's too wide. It's too thick. I still have it. I, I'm not going to use it. I then bought the leash, which is the narrowest one. And that's the same width as the wrist strap is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't like the texture. It's this plasticky seat belt type material. On the one hand, it's very flexible and it's very strong. It's extremely strong, but it's, yeah. not, it's not agreeable as yeah. a material. And one other thing about the Peak Design straps, they all are adjustable, you can adjust the length. And so they've all got these two sort of buckles that you slide up and down, which means that below the buckle, it's looped, and that the loop can open up and you can get stuck in it. And uh, it's while the connecting system is good, the strap itself should have some way of
1: holding that bit under the, the buckle together.
0: If that yeah, makes sense, it, it,
1: that makes sense. I think this definitely falls into that category of how you use your camera. You know, for 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 some people that is a feature. For some people, it's really not. And actually, I don't mind the fabric so much because you know, ultimately, it is designed to be very strong. The last thing you want is for your camera to go tumbling, and uh, which I has happened <clears throat> to me. So, um it's it's not pleasant at all. <laughs> yeah. No, okay. I've not had now, that problem. Now, the, the the next thing on our list, I have to admit I don't quite understand and you're going to have to illuminate me on this. You have screen protectors on the back of your LCD panels. Or, or rather, I do understand. I just why?
0: I've only ever bought screen protectors for two devices, Palm Pilots and cameras. And the reason is that if I have my camera on a strap over my shoulder and I'm wearing a jacket with a zipper, then there's a possibility it's going to scratch. Oh, OK. OK. And because the back is plastic, it's not glass. And so I have a glass screen, screen protector on the X-T3 and I have a plastic, what would you call it, anti-reflection uh, screen protector on the xc 4 Oh, okay. I prefer the glass. In fact, I'm going to replace the XC4 one with glass. Uh, but it's basically that if, if I'm wearing something with a zipper, it's going to scratch it. And I have a jacket with a zipper, and sometimes I'll wear hoodies that have zippers. And it just seems like that piece of plastic is too fragile. Maybe I'm overthinking. Maybe you've never scratched yours, but...
1: Yeah, no, no, I, I get it. And are they clear enough that it's it's not impeding your view of your shots or anything like that? Well,
0: I shoot through the viewfinder. But you review, I don't chimp. In fact, I often don't look until I get home. Uh okay. however, I will uh fold out the LCD sometimes when I shoot when I shoot really low. And that's why I got an anti-reflection one for the XC4. If I'm out shooting something in the sun, it is hard to see uh with the XT3 with the glass one. Also, the XC4 LCD panel is a little bit smaller, so I figured I'd want something to make it a little bit easier to use. At a distance than the XT three one.
1: Okay, yeah, th- that makes sense. the Especially the the non reflection because yeah, I've definitely run into times when I think I know what's on my screen, but it's kind of hard to tell because it's so dark. And uh, unless I want my cheek literally on the ground uh, where I'm I'm mounting it, yeah. Exactly. The, the, the bigger question is how do you take your peak anchors and attach them to your palm pilot? So that you can then add the wrist strap to it. That's yeah, That's that, my biggest question. That right was now.
0: difficult. I tried with epoxy, um, but <laughs> it didn't stick too long. So, just a point about the screen protectors. It's probably a superhuman skill to get a plastic screen protector on without bubbles. Mm, yeah. However, if it's a glass screen protector, they work pretty well. They kind of attach to the LCD panel with static electricity. It's not glue of any kind. Mm, right. And you you pop it on and it's there. You rub it with a credit card. And if it doesn't work, you pull it off and you pop it on again. Whereas the plastic ones have a kind of a glue. like I guess it's like the glue on Post-its, something yeah. like that. So it's repositionable. If you put it on and then take it off once you're going to get a bit of dust in it and that dust is going to make a bubble and it's just it's horrible. And then
1: it's, yeah, then it's just not worth having honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm I'm not entirely sold on the screen protectors. I've I've never used them. I've never had a problem, but uh I You don't use UV filters to protect your lenses either. I was going to say and you use UV filters to protect your lenses which we've already discussed is sort of silly and pointless. But okay. All right. Well, I'm sort of curious. I would love to hear from people in our Facebook group. Do you have any of these accessories? Are these some things that you've found to be helpful? Or are you going to go out check our show notes and buy everything that we just mentioned.
0: Or do you have anything that we didn't mention that we didn't think of? We, we, we intentionally did not want to include things like flashes, microphones. Yeah. Um, because as Jeff said, at one point, we wanted things that are going to stay on your camera all
1: the time. Yeah. Actually, you just made me remember something that I did want to mention that is kind of related. And that is camera cages, and what what a camera cage is, is basically, it's like an L-bracket, but it goes all the way around your camera. And there are various uh, styles and companies that make these. But the idea is it has a whole bunch of mounting points so that if you are, say, shooting video regularly, or you really need to have, like, an external monitor or a microphone or, um, you know, all sorts of different things that you can attach to a camera, then you would probably want to have a cage on. Now, it, it doesn't really, it especially does not fit in our use case because we're assuming you're taking a camera to just go and take photos. But I know that for, for some people who have more specialized uses, a cage can be really, really helpful because you're not, you're not balancing all these different accessories and trying to make them work. They all kind of fit nicely.
0: Yeah, uh, good point. Uh, I can't imagine wanting to use one of those for anything other than video. Yeah. But perhaps it, if you are shooting with a flash a lot and you're moving a lot, maybe it would be more comfortable. I, I don't know. If anyone uses one of those, drop us a mention on the Facebook group. As I'm looking at different ones online, some of them are actually quite small. Mm-hmm. And as you say, they just give you extra mounting points. And some of them are very big and have rails in different directions. So maybe there is a use case for this. Now, I'm seeing a couple of things interesting. This this is weird because I hadn't looked up this kind of thing before. But here's one that is a small rig cold shoe relocation plate for Sony. And what it does is it goes into the hot shoe and moves the cold shoe, because the hot shoe means it's electrified and the cold shoe isn't, right. over to the right of the camera if you want to put your flash on the right instead of the center. So that's the kind of thing that you would use for a very specific use case of wanting to put something else someplace else. Here's an LCD screen sun hood that you can put on a camera. Yeah. And I guess if you shoot looking at the screen rather than through the viewfinder, that would be interesting. I, I didn't think to look up this sort of camera cage because then you get into this whole world of different types of things
1: here. Oh, yeah. there's It, it definitely expands the world of accessories. And like we mentioned these are primarily used by video shooters who want to have like maybe a little five inch LCD monitor pointed toward them. Or, you know, um, sometimes some of these little monitors will also record video. You can actually record better video to the monitor than what the camera will record internally. And you just want someplace to to have all of that, rather than maybe setting up multiple tripods or having things dangling from wires. It just makes it nice and clean. You know, this is a very small niche, especially I think among our listenership, but it still kind of falls into that category of something that if you find yourself needing to use a bunch of different accessories like that, then getting a cage will definitely be worth it because all you have to do is, you know, connect a few different things rather than reinvent the wheel every time.
0: Okay. What about snapshots? What do you have this week, Jeff?
1: My snapshot this week is an app. It's actually an app and a website and it's called Marine Traffic. And it's an app that lets you see the location of boats all over the world. You'd be like, why? What? And so the reason that that I know about this is because there is a boat that's anchored in Washington called the Lady Washington. And it's a um, two-masted—it's actually a reproduction of an old, um, you know, tall ship. And if you ever saw the movie Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, the the first one, whatever it was called, uh, Curse of the Black Pearl, I think— If you ever saw that movie, the Lady Washington was one of the ships that was used, uh, you know, redressed for the movie. And so a friend of mine pointed out uh, last week that the Lady Washington was actually at a marina near me and that I should go down and see if I could take a picture of it uh, at sunset. Well, I didn't know when or where it was going to be sailing, and this app would tell me. So When I went down, it was actually uh, anchored or moored. I can't remember the correct term. Uh, And so I got a a few lovely sunset pictures of it, just city and port. And then I was able to, on successive days, see if it was out around sunset, actually sailing around. And unfortunately, it did not go out at those times. I saw that it was around in the middle of the day and uh, that didn't appeal to me. But if you are in a situation where you want to know where a boat is, and in this, t- in this case, it was because I wanted to know where this boat would be so I could take, you know, a, a nice, in my mind, I have this fantastic shot of, you know, all the sails up and the sun coming through them and all of that. Um, if you're in a situation like that, this app is like really, really handy. It shows literally hundreds, maybe even thousands of boats all around the world which is, of course, overkill, but I just thought it was really cool and helpful. And because I live in a, you know, in Seattle where there's plenty of boat traffic, uh, it can be helpful.
0: First of all, I have a feeling that they're called ships.
1: Oh my God, you're right. <laughs> did I
0: say boat the whole time? <laughs> okay, you did. Boat, boat's a little thing. A ship is a anybody, serious thing. anybody
1: anybody listening who uh, knows maritime things is probably they're probably screaming. Um, Look, I grew up in southern Idaho. Not a whole lot of boats or ships there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, what's interesting, I'm looking at the website, is just how many ships yeah. there are. Uh, and you can see the main sea lanes, like the English Channel, like around the Cape of Good Hope, around Africa, um, particularly all the ones coming from China, um, heading to the States, heading uh, South yeah. America, et cetera. Yeah. It's so, quite
1: impressive. Uh, the, the app is called Marine Traffic, and it's marinetraffic.com. Kirk, what do you have this week? We agreed some time ago
0: to not limit ourselves to talk about cameras or photos or photo books. So today, I'm going to talk about my new vacuum cleaner. It really sucks. I got a new Dyson V11, and it sucks like so much more than the previous Dysons that I've had. Um, This is my – it's actually our fourth Dyson. We have one – wired Dyson, the little ball. And then after that, I bought one of the handheld ones because I wanted it to be able to clean the corners in my office, the bits of dust that get around hard drives, you know, all that. So it was a very small one. Then after that, I got a bigger one. And we used that to clean most of the house. And I got a new one, the V11, which is, I don't know, I'm, I, I'm not that excited about vacuum cleaners, but when you've got two cats and you get a new vacuum cleaner that pulls up more hair than you've ever seen <laughs> pulled up, In in a vacuuming session, um, it's quite impressive. I I like Dyson. Dyson for me is like the Apple of home uh, appliances. I have a Dyson lamp on my desk. I have a Dyson um, fan with a HEPA filter in it. Uh, Jeff is pointing that he's got a Dyson fan someplace as well. Uh, Dyson stuff is expensive, kind of like Apple stuff. Uh, It's well-designed, kind of like Apple stuff, and it works really well. One of the things I found over the years is one of the fans I had years ago, it broke well after the warranty was expired and I called them up and they replaced it. If you buy directly from them, they record your stuff and you develop a relationship and you can get discounts sometimes. So I got this a hundred pounds off. It was three ninety nine instead of four ninety nine. They've got a sale on. And they say it lasts up to 60 minutes, which means in real life, you get about 40 minutes, which is a lot. And that's enough to do pretty much my whole house in 40 minutes. What can I say? It sucks, really (laughs) sucks. Um, and, And they've made so many improvements over the years, as I'm seeing. I've always bought like two generations ago, right? So the first one I got was the v6 when the v8 or 9 was out then i got a v8 now i have an 11 and they're up to v15 um, because i'm not going to pay full price i wait mm-hmm. till they're discounted i really like them i like the idea of vacuuming without something plugged in the wall so you don't have to keep pulling the thing around and bumping into it and unplugging it so not, dyson v11 link in the show notes
1: It really it's one sucks. of those things where i would never think that i would be even interested, much less excited about vacuuming, but we we have an older model Dyson. I don't even know which one it is, but I, I just love the design of it and it's easy to empty. And I know this sounds like a commercial for Dyson, but you know, like so much that we talk about when you find something that is designed well, and it makes it a lot easier more enjoyable to use. So, yeah, I don't mind vacuuming, which is something that I never would have thought that I would say. It's like, oh, I get to vacuum again.
0: And imagine if you had two cats.
1: Oh, geez. Yeah, no, no. (laughs) Yep. Okay, that's enough. Until next time. Until next time.
0: Thanks for listening to Photoactive. You can find show notes, including any photos we discuss in this episode, at photoactive.co. That's photoactive.co. We couldn't afford the M. You can join our Facebook group at facebook.com groups slash photoactivecast. That's photoactivecast in one word. You can subscribe to Photoactive in your favorite podcast app or on Apple Podcasts. See the links on our website. And think about leaving us a rating or review in iTunes or in your podcast